screws loose, they done stripped the bolts on them. Should've never sent them to pick up the work for them. Sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. Alright, greetings, shuttlings. Welcome to another episode of Chuddy's Corner. Uh, it is Monday, January 8th. It's about 10 of 10 here on the East Coast. Uh, and the Celtics lose tonight, 133 to 131, on game two of our little mini-series in Indy. Uh, they fall to 28-8 on the season, still best record in the NBA, still the only team with only single-digit losses. Um, but it was a tough one, uh, the way it went down. We're going to get into all the breakdown for you. Uh, before we do that, I am your host, Dugouts, and with me, as always, is Chuddy, King Chuddy. How you doing tonight? Doing all right. Uh... Tough, tough way to lose a game, certainly. Tough loss in general, but uh, like you said, single-digit losses, and all of our losses seem to come down to the very end. So if you're going to lose, I guess that's the way to lose. <laughs> in the most heartbreaking fashion possible, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess there's always a few few positive spins you can put in anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to break it all down for you. Uh, before we do that, uh, make sure you follow the show page at Shuddy's Corner. Just got a whole gang of new followers, so uh, welcome everybody to the Shuddyverse. It's good to have you along for the ride with us. Uh, make sure you follow myself at Doug underscore outs. Follow Chud at King Chuddy. Uh, and make sure that whatever your, whatever form of uh, podcast listening or viewing, if you're on YouTube, that you're doing, make sure you hit subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. What's the other one that you say? Stitcher? Stitcher, Podbean. Podbean and YouTube. Worst. YouTube, I think, is uh, that's where mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of people um, watch on the YouTube, so we do appreciate that. Uh, one last piece of housekeeping. Make sure you go to nickfreno.com for all your real estate needs, nickfreno.com. Also, currently the home for King Chuddy's weekly power rankings. So a new power rankings came out this this week on Monday. Um it's a good movement in there. It's a good article. It's always a good read. It's very concise. Like it doesn't, it's not, it's not overly wordy. So it's like, you can get a good feel for the league just by reading through that. Um, but yeah, we'll get right into the game now. Celtics 131 to 133 to 131 loss. Uh, Jalen Brown did have 40 points. No Tatum, no Hauser. Um, and obviously for Indy, Halliburton left the game right around halftime. He did like a full-on split in the court. Mm. It was actually, it was like, one of those things where at first you're like, oh, shit. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, that's not good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so go ahead, Chuddy. Tell us what you saw in this game. What would you like? What would you not like? Yeah, this game had a little bit of everything, uh, including some serious juice from both the players and the crowd. Uh, keep saying how much I like those little mini baseball-type series back-to-back, and you could tell the Pacers uh, – did not like that loss they suffered the other night. They came out with uh, some serious edge in this one, no doubt about it. And the crowd, I thought, matched their energy for the most part, made for a really fun game, really good atmosphere. Uh, it's a lot more, I think, what we were expecting last game, where you could tell right out of the gate the pace was just absolutely cranked all the way up from both teams, back and forth basketball. This game was an absolute blur right out of the gate. The first quarter, I think it was like 34-33 or something, but it was completely back and forth. Lead changes galore, left and right. Both teams shooting the heck out of the ball. For the Celtics, like you mentioned, Jalen Brown stepping up. Uh, no Jason Tatum tonight, obviously, and it was Brown just in attack mode right from the get-go, as he often is, but it seemed like Ramped up even a bit more. He had it all going, really. Uh, masterful first half. Jalen had 25, I think, on 11 of 13 shooting or 11 of 14 from the field, something like that. He had the three ball going. He's two for two from three. He was getting to the rim. He had a couple of nice dunks, a couple of layups. He was getting into his mid range. Like I said, kind of a little bit of everything from him. Um, 
honestly, I thought the offense was great. They were moving the ball with great pace. They were zinging it around. Everyone was cutting, getting to good spots. They were getting inside for layups and dunks, and they were making extra passes for threes. Crazy amount of ball movement in that first quarter. Like some yeah. of those that Jalen or that Derek White three that he missed in the corner after it was like a crazy pinball. <laughs> that would have been like yeah. the greatest basketball. So someone yeah. said, like would have been one of the greatest basketball plays ever. Um, no, really that, fun it just to watch. Dropped, that three just dropped. Yeah, it was really fun to watch the way they were moving the ball, and it was uh, that's one of the things the Pacers do is try to prevent the threes. But the Celtics were even seemingly making up for it with one extra pass every single time. And they were getting good looks pretty much every time down. Unfortunately, really the only guys making their threes were Jalen and Pritchard, who were both perfect. Jalen, I mentioned, two for two from three in the first half. Pritchard was three for three. He was a great spark off the bench. But other than that, Porzingis was struggling with his outside shot. Derek White struggling with his outside shot. So uh, left some opportunities on the table, but still played really good offensive basketball overall. I thought the defense was just kind of a step slow. The Pacers just brought so much energy, um, and we really just weren't stopping stopping them from getting in the lanes. We were focusing a ton on stopping Halliburton, and I thought doing a pretty good job for the most part, but he was able to move the ball. He was kind of beating some double teams, making some good passes. He only had seven points when he left, but he did have six assists. He was getting the other guys involved. Aaron Neesmith playing with an edge. Uh, Andrew Nemar playing with an edge. TJ McCall oh playing God, with a total Nemar. edge. Um, Matherin had a great game, too. All of these kind of role players for the Pacers really stepped it up, I thought, in the first half. And then, as you mentioned, right before half, uh, Celtics had a 60-54 lead. Halliburton goes down, like you mentioned, kind of like a full split almost. It said it was a hamstring injury. It, it looked pretty ugly um, on further review. He had His teammates had to carry him into the locker room. He obviously did not return. Um, so it seemed like the Celtics kind of might get off the hook, but... Au contraire, it was quite the opposite. Uh, the Pacers looked like they almost came out with the renewed kind of purpose after losing Halliburton. I don't know if it's safe to say the Celtics maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit, maybe thought that that would uh, ease things up, but it was anything but. The Pacers came out in the second half and looked like almost, <laughs> I don't want to say a completely different team because they already looked all right, but man, they were gangbusters in that third quarter. 44-point quarter for the Pacers. The Celtics... Yeah. Absolutely could not stop him. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of TJ McConnell. Um, so the Celtics started off 27 kind of, to 13 run on the, and basically for the first like six or seven minutes, six minutes that quarter. Yeah. And again, obviously, this is all without Halliburton. So it was the indie role players, but uh, they kind of kept doing more of the same. They were just flying up the court, even on made baskets. They were getting out in transition. They were hurrying the ball up the court. They were going right at us and attacking, and they were just getting layups over and over again. The Celtics, again, were. They were kind of having Porzingis guard TJ McConnell, almost giving him like the Ben Simmons treatment, just basically mm -hmm. daring him to shoot. It worked in the first half. They did it with Luke, and uh, McConnell looked like he didn't know what to do. He missed a couple of ugly-looking threes. In the second half, the Pacers were ready for this offense and uh, defense and seemingly almost took it personal. McConnell was going right at Porzingis, uh, or the, whoever big guy was on him, and he wasn't kind of being tentative at all. He was just flying past, using his quickness, getting to the hoop. It seemed like he was getting layups at will. Um, and when the Celtics had to send extra help, he was kicking it out. They were getting th good three-point shots. And they were also finding Miles Turner, who without Porzingis on him, usually had Jalen Brown on or a smaller player on him. They were kind of just doing whatever, abusing the matchups. Um, that we, we had to switch out of that defense, go back to like a much more standard coverage because, again, they were getting whatever they wanted. And then uh, from there, it was really their shooters not missing. It seemed like uh, Buddy Heald, especially in that fourth quarter, he couldn't miss a shot. Benedict Mathering couldn't miss a shot. McConnell just kept absolutely grinding, scrapping. The Celtics, I thought their offense didn't really betray them. They kept it up the whole time. They really just could not get stops. Went into that fourth quarter, you knew it was going to be a rough stretch as you knew Jalen Brown was going to have to rest. Uh, the Celtics brought in the lineup with Spee, who Spee gave him some great energy and honestly some drew some couple <laughs> fouls, got to the line. He gave him five good minutes to start that fourth quarter that I wasn't uh, really... He, yeah, but he missed half the free throws. He did. Code. 
He so did, it became but... like a plus play <laughs> to foul him. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I just like the energy he was providing. I wasn't sure how the energy to stay was afloat. nice, but. Um, so I thought there were some solid minutes as Joe was clearly just kind of looking for some answers with obviously as well as no Tatum, no Hauser. So limited options from the Celtics bench who to turn to, but I thought he got pretty good minutes uh, for the most part, but the Pacers were just absolutely relentless. And it was like on the few occasions we were getting stops, they just would keep absolutely like battling back. So we couldn't really cut into that lead. It was just a back and forth game. There was one point the there just, it was back. just three point, like every team we were just shooting back yeah. and forth three pointers. Yeah, it was. It turned into a bit of a shootout there down the stretch. Uh, the Celtics came back with the starters with about six and a half minutes left. Went it back to that two-two-one zone we had seen some of from the last game. Two-one-two, uh, sorry, half-court zone with Drew Holiday in the middle, kind of playing that free safety role. So for the second game in a row, I think this is like a great look and caused some serious problems. It caused some turnovers. We were able to get our hands on a lot of balls. It was giving them trouble. You could actually hear <laughs> Drew switching the coverages, which was cool. You could hear him yelling things out. So it seemed like once the Pacers would kind of get the ball past the free throw line, the Celtics would actually switch out of the zone and kind of go man whoever they were matched up on. So it was really cool. It was causing all kinds of problems. But for the second game in a row, I thought eventually the Pacers solved it. And then you saw some miscommunications that led to a couple times where they got wide open three-point looks. And again, they weren't even missing the contested ones, so those were almost too easy. It was a little bit of back and forth. Finally, the Celtics got going. Um, two minutes left, we switched back to man. Finally got a couple stops, and that was Jalen takeover mode. He got to the basket for two close ones, two possessions in a row. Then he drove again. They sent help. He kicked it out to Porzingis for a big three. Celtics took a two-point lead with about 45 seconds left. Pacers zipped it right back up the court. TJ McConnell hits a layup. Celtics have the ball, 15 seconds left. Again, we see that no timeout for Missoula, even though Celtics had two timeouts, I think, at least one. Uh, they hurry the ball up the court, a little bit of chaos. They get it to Jalen. Jalen goes inside, had some options, but he took it himself, and it's hard to blame him for how hot he was shooting. Gets off a kind of double pump shot from the corner, long two with about three seconds left. Looks like he gets drilled from behind by Buddy Heald. Fouls called. Two free throws with a tie game for Jalen Brown, except the Pacers challenge, which big challenge also because it was their last time out. So if Jalen even made mm. one free throw, the Pacers would have only had three seconds to go the full length of the court to either tie or try to win it. Yeah. Now oh, we yeah. get into the controversy of the game. Uh, the referees overturned the foul and ruled that it was a clean block by Heald. Saw this replay a few times. I, I really don't agree with the call. I mean, especially the fact that it was called a foul on the floor. Buddy got the ball, but he got a, he drilled him on the head with his forearm, and it seemed and it like wasn't he wasn't clear which one of those happened first. No, either. I mean to overrule that is just absolutely crazy. Um, so I I re- I couldn't believe they overturned it. To be Don't honest, they I have really a couldn't. rule that any contact with the head is like automatically a flagrant. Yeah, is that and still he like a rule? drilled him man from behind. I'm not saying that should have been a flagrant, no, it, but. It, it, it could have been. I would say since he was going for the ball and did get the ball, I don't think it would have been a flagrant. But I thought a very clear foul, at least. He hit him hard on the arm with the head. And at worst, it was the same time as he hit the ball. It wasn't like he hit the ball and then hit his head with the follow-through. Like He pretty much just drilled him in the yeah. head from behind and the ball at the same time. Um, so I'll be very curious to see the last two-minute report on that one. Really, really, really tough call, obviously, for the Celtics. On top of that, they ruled that it was... How did go and review that and, and come back with that call? It's nuts. Crazy. Like, and, is uh, it just like one random guy? It's like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a whole replay team in Secaucus, New Jersey. Well, I know that. But like, and... what is like the Secaucus? I mean, is, is it like six? Like, is it like, uh, do they all vote or something? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the whole process, but really frustrating, really frustrating result. And then again, to compound it, they view that it was clear possession for the Pacers off the rebound. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they don't run the extra clock, so the Pacers get a full. Well, three and a half seconds left. They use their timeout to advance it. The Celtics use a foul to cut it to two. Pacers last possession, they throw it into Benedict Matherin. 
he puts up a shot at the buzzer, doesn't go. They call a foul on Porzingis. Close call. Um, I, I mean, I guess you could call he, it a foul, but him. it's one of those where if you're going to call no foul on one end, call no foul on the other end. I mean, Maverick Well, they did call him. a foul on the other end initially. I guess, but I, I would have been fine. I don't know. Just tough, obviously. I mean, it was a bang-bang play. You could, Porzingis probably didn't need to contest it that closely, but Matherin already also jumped into him. I thought Porzingis pretty much went straight up. There was definitely contact, so tough call. Matherin gets three shots. Now, I thought interesting strategy where they were saying it would be better off to miss the third one to run yeah, more I clock. Yeah, didn't get that. Um, but I feel, well, and I mean, and maybe you could argue that it kind of worked because then there was only point three left. So the Celtics, even with the timeout, didn't have time for a catch and shoot uh, after Mather made the first two. So down by two, the Celtics with the one last chance. And Derek White throws almost a perfect pass, almost like a shot, just short of the rim. Cornette goes up, tips it in, would have counted, would have tied the game, but just off back rim and won't fall. Um, and that's all she wrote. The Pacers win this one, 133-131. Really tough loss for the Celtics, um, especially to lose with no Halliburton against them. Obviously, again, the Celtics had no Tatum, comes down to the final possession. So I would, not like a bad loss or anything, but kind of kind of dropped the rope there in that third quarter. And again, give credit to Indy. For the most part, it really was the way they played. They brought an extra tenacity. They really outworked us, especially in that third quarter where it seemed like we kind of let our guard down and it was a lot of their bench. They had over 70 bench points, which is just absolutely crazy uh those guys didn't stop bringing it and yeah, for the yeah. most part they hit their shots all night so credit to them they're a good offense that's what they could do uh they held on to their home court they didn't want us to come in and sweep them and like i keep saying props to them yeah uh yeah exactly i don't think it's like a it's not like a, it was a, a hard-fought battle i don't think we can t- be too upset about the loss um but i do think uh it, it the way that indy was playing it definitely if like people would ask if there's like a rivalry now, it's like, it's, I just feel like Indy just kind of plays that way with everybody. I don't even know if it's <laughs> yeah. necessarily just us. It might be a little bit of like main character, like syndrome of us <laughs> thinking that it's like just us. I do think that, um, well, obviously the Neesmith thing, but did you, the, the Neep Nemhard, Nemhard? Yeah. Nemhard Nemhard, guy. yeah. So like he was like yelling at Joe and they, when they came back from a break at one point, I don't know if this is true or not. I was trying to look up if there was any connection. I was looking up like Nemhard's like dad to see if he like, played Missoula <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. There was like nothing, but I guess I guess they said, and I don't know if they were joking or not on the broadcast. But they said that it was when they put Cornette on Nemhar that he got like pissed that he got like <laughs> offended at that, and that's what got him yeah. pissed off. So it definitely seems like this this Pacers team just kind of plays like they just want to be pissed off at everybody, and I think in a lot of cases <laughs> it works. Yeah. Um, uh, Thirty five lead changes. You mentioned the lead changes. That was like right. it was totally it was a, it was absolutely a nuts game for me in the yeah. end. I do think the third quarter is where we lost it. I think. Again, can't beat ourselves up over it, but this is a game I think that we could have won, we should have won. Yep. I know that you know they didn't have Halliburton, so but I feel like even then without Hal, like we're still so much better even without Tatum in there and, and Hauser yeah. too to another extent. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they did. They did. Their, their role players were just absolute dirt dogs. McConnell, <laughs> that guy, he's like the ultimate little like dirt dog. Who did he used to play for? Do you play for Philly? He's been on Philly. He's been on. He's been on a bunch of teams. He went I to feel Arizona. Like I've, like, he's I've been on the Pacers so many different years. teams. Like, because he's yeah. just like he's just such a little like I don't know, he's just a little rat. In he's the, just in so the, scrappy in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, I like the yeah. way I like the way I do like the way he plays. But yeah, there's just so many times when. And then he was also getting real pissed off at the refs too, which is kind of funny. Like they uh, <laughs> they called they or they didn't call a foul when Drew like kind of jumped over him to try to like steal it, almost yeah. like knocked over. He was like just like staring down the ref. It was pretty funny. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I do think going down to towards the towards the end of the game, uh, 
we just kind of discussed the Jalen foul. That just it makes no sense how that can get overturned. Just think... t- fertile way for a great game to end. Yeah, um, I do think that the Porzingis thing was a foul. We can agree, agree, disagree on whether or not. I, I think that I can still live with the shot that that guy was getting off. It was sort of a turnaround rush three. Yeah, it, obviously, like stuffing it into next week is a great like kind of way to <laughs> go in overtime momentum wise, but. Not it's worth the risk. Big risk reward, yeah, exactly. And I just feel like when you're a bigger guy like that with Porzingis, like they're they're just gonna call that on you. So mm-hmm. uh, the bench points for uh, the Pacers, it, it's impressive, but also they didn't have a starter for the whole second half. So like when they said that stat in the broadcast, I was kind of like, well, it's because whoever's <laughs> playing for yeah, Halliburton is just scoring. I mean, partly, but it wasn't really that. It, I mean, either yeah. way, well, it no, was either, a ton. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was a good. It was points. good scoring. Healed us off their bench, right? He didn't. No, but Mathern is. Oh, all right. Um, and he was healed was, healed was shooting like lights out. That was, that gave me some uh, flashbacks when he used to play in college. <laughs> um, yeah, he was especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the thing too, uh, Halliburton. They said that it's uh They said it's just like a hamstring, like, sprain. Sprain. But he's and gonna have an MRI tomorrow. I mean, we'll see. Well, we'll yeah, because everyone's like, "Oh, thank God." I'm like, I don't. I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, they were literally no. carrying him off like an infant. Like, he was being like... It didn't look great. No, it, it did not look great. It didn't at all. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think people might have been putting the car... I mean, hopefully it's okay, but yeah, people no. were putting the car a little bit before the horse on that one. Hate um, to see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it just... Yeah, can't be too upset. I'm glad we got game one in the series. I'm glad we didn't go there and lose both of these. Obviously, yeah. we have this discussion after every loss. Like, <laughs> losses are going to happen. Um, you know, it does... There's that, that instant react want desire to like want to overreact a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, these kind of things happen. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a whole <laughs> lot more just on the game. I think that it was just it was like it felt like there were so many things going on, but I don't really know how to like I don't know, discuss it. It's probably awful podcasting, <laughs> but it just it was like a breakneck game. Like it was a super intense game. Like it felt almost like a bit of a playoff atmosphere. Um, and just I don't know the way it ended kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, not I think just the key for the score. Beyond the ending, obviously, is just the Celtics' inability to get stops for most of the game, especially in that second half. Um, it's really hard to get any separation or to make any kind of run when they're, you're just consistently giving up baskets on the other end, seemingly. Yeah. No matter what you try, um, after we played amazing defense, obviously, in Game 1, holding the Pacers to their lowest total of the season, they came back yeah. and just seemingly did whatever but it's they like wanted on the for final, the most part. On the final three possessions, though, it seemed like we were playing like really good defense all of a sudden. It's just It was like... I, I like noticed it when I forget I forget which play it was when I think it was when we were I think it was when we had gone up and we needed to get we needed to stop them. Like it's just they played just like unreal defense. Like everyone was mm-hmm. moving and it looked like and it's just sort of like what where is that for it's like we discussed before, like is there like a point when they like they can notice too that it's just like, Oh wow, we're not like doing at all what we're supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> like we're doing like the shitty way of doing it again. Um yeah. I don't know. It just kinda of fascinates me sometimes with this team, all the way that they could just well, I think a lot of it is naturally you're trying to preserve energy. It's a lot easier to crank up the intensity when there's final two minutes in a close game is kind of natural. Mm-hmm. is always going to happen again. I mean, I thought some of the coverages just stayed in a little bit too long. Again, things were working early with having a big guy guarding McConnell and Nemhart. Um, as you mentioned, I think that is what got them upset. Seemingly, they just took it personally <laughs> that we were giving them, like I said, like the Ben Simmons Rondo treatment. They took it personally. But like you said, I think it's kind of the... <laughs> It's uh like the way this team just is. They're looking for reasons, and I think it's again they've they've had their run-ins with the Bucks now, who they seemingly have more of a rivalry with than us. They had kind of battles with Philly too. So 
all these teams at the top of the East. They want yeah, I think they want they want it on yeah. that little like club that it's exactly. Like the Bucks, They're the, the young Sixers. upstart yeah. team trying to kind of scrap their way in and prove that they belong and that they're a worthy adversary. And this is kind of how they're doing it. And again, tonight, I thought they took our best punches and punched us right back. Like they have no fear. Part of it, I think, Smith, I mean, you could tell when he hit that, he had that and one down the stretch to make it a five point game and he blew up and they were going crazy. Like, again, it was like the game seven of the finals and we can make fun of them if you want, but Hey, these teams are young. They need, they're getting fired up and they're backing it up with their play. So Hard not to respect it. Again, they were just so scrappy, uh, making all the hustle plays. Again, just out hustling us, out working us. So played in that, stayed in that uh, coverage too long, and then I thought down the stretch stayed in that zone a little too long. Where I think we keep talking about how the regular season, especially for the Celtics, is an opportunity to kind of add things to your tool belt, to try things, to learn things, to grow, and to build good habits. So. I love that they are trying things and I've seen some glimpses and some possessions of this zone where I'm like, holy shit, this is something we can absolutely utilize. This is something we can activate. But again, I just thought they stayed in it a little too long and they started giving up wide open looks, had a few miscommunications, which hurt us down the stretch. So this will be something to just kind of keep monitoring is like I said, when we want to be able to have things that we can go to in the playoffs when other things aren't working. So it's nice to know that we can do that. And it seemed like then with two minutes left, when we switched back to man is what you were mentioning when it became a lot harder on them. Mm -hmm. We were working our asses off to switch to stay connected to guys and forcing some really tough shots. We just really hadn't been playing that kind of defense for almost the entire game. And again, I get it. You're tired. You're down some guys. They're playing it at the same pace. It's a lot easier to, to focus on those one possessions when you see the game and the clock is coming coming down to the end but still overall certainly not our best defensive effort again those things are going to happen and again to wherever he also it's the best Celtics, offense like in the history of the yeah. league too yeah exactly and i think probably base for that yeah exactly and probably part of your mindset you see halliburton go down and you're like oh okay we can relax a little and the guys who the pacers brought in were bringing it even more and they actually took their game up a level without Halliburton seemingly. So it's one of those things where, yeah. especially as we just played them, you know, we're scheming and strategizing to stop Halliburton and you could tell how focused we were on him in the first half. So it's kind of like, then that goes out the window in the second half and it's like all the stuff we prepared for now, they're just a completely different offense and they were much more, um, much less heliocentric and very kind of, you know, even, even yeah, offense. Or we, well, yeah, right. It was like, distance. you don't know, it was TJ McConnell. It was Nemhard. It was healed. It was Mathern. It was Miles Turner. It was basically everyone they put in was getting yeah. their shots. And, uh, you know, in a way that's tougher to defend when you're not ready for it. And clearly they busted us with 44 points in that quarter is one of the best showings we've had against our defense this entire season. So again, yeah. props to them. Tough night for Derek White. Um, again, when we say whenever we say tough night for Derek White, it really just means shots weren't falling because he always does all kind of the little things well. But yeah. he just struggled to shoot it. He was one and nine in the first half, couldn't get it going. Drew had a really good game, hit some good shots for us, played good Season D, obviously. Points for him. Yeah, it was nice to see. I mentioned Pritchard was really 21. big off the bench. Um, Al just steady as usual, but uh, yeah, that, I was gonna say Jalen game. Let's not let yeah. Jalen's game get lost. Forty points, and he was just out there playmaking. So many good reads, so many right decisions. Uh, super efficient too. Uh, great, great Jalen performance. Kind of a bummer to spoil it in losing fashion, but overall, can't be too upset with the performance there. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I had two things. I only have one now. I wanted to just mention that Al too. Again, it's, he's never gonna like jump out on the score sheet, but he's definitely like if you watch the game kind of thing. And so like the, the the shots he had, I think he had he had eleven points. He had uh, three three pointers, and I feel like every single one of them yeah. was just like it was at just like a time when it's just like oh yep. god, like I just needed to go <laughs> in. So just Mister Wild yeah. Al, shout out to Al. 
Uh, my other question that I had for you, or I guess just like your thoughts on it, um, the Banton, is the Banton experiment more or less over at this point? He got he played for about three minutes early in the first, and we never saw him again. What didn't really seem that that impressive. Um, and I don't know. It just seems like he's kind of been on the outs uh, on on things, and I don't know. When Svee got those fourth quarter minutes, I kind of thought, okay, well. <laughs> so yeah, Banton was. I mean, the first three subs, I think it was Banton, um, Pritchard, and Brissett. And I, I was the one to shout out Brissett. I thought again, really good game. The guy is just everywhere on the rebounds. Keeps bringing great energy. Keep loving what I'm seeing out of Brissett. He's been great. A uh, little high on the three point volume tonight, but he did make one. Again, when they're wide open, you kind of have to let it fly. <laughs> he had one that was so ugly. <laughs> At yeah, least not, one that I can think of. <laughs> not great, but um, in terms of Banton, I thought that that early substitution was probably largely defensive. I think he's a good matchup as like a giant long athletic point guard. They wanted to obviously switch a lot to try to stay attached to Halliburton. I think he's a good body to throw at him. Whereas in the fourth quarter, obviously they didn't have Halliburton. In, and with that unit, it seemed like we were looking a little more for offense. So Svee, obviously a much better shooter, much better on offense. Banton really more of like a defense and energy guy. So Again, I think we're we're pretty set. Obviously, we've got our starters and Al. Our front six is super set. I think Pritchard, Hauser, and Cornette are pretty rock solidly set. That's nine guys. I think Brissett's maybe separated himself a little bit as the tenth guy. And I think after that, it's just going to be kind of like a game to game thing where some nights Banton gets a shot, sometimes Spee gets a shot. There's going to be some Kaden nights, um, and Lamar Stevens, whatever. Like I, I think all of those guys. It's almost just like a test to them. Stay ready and let's see what you got when we have to throw you in. Because at the end of the day, that's the only role that's available. It's not like one of these guys is going to carve out minutes and suddenly Banton's getting like consistent minutes every single game. Yeah. All of these guys, it's going to be like things are going poorly in a playoff game. We need to steal four minutes. Who's going to be the guy that can come in and give us energy? So I think uh, kind of giving them those opportunities. If we see in the playoffs, it better because we're <laughs> up a billion. Well, no, but I'm saying if they ever have to play a meaningful role, it's going to be something like that, where it's like two guys are in foul trouble. We need to steal four minutes. Which one of these five guys can we trust right now? Like who's yeah. who's proven themselves over the regular season? So that's why I think they keep kind of getting these inconsistent minutes because realistically, that's how they're going to be needed. So when, when Joe has to make that call, I it's see. like, who do I trust? And again, a lot of it, I think, matchup based, and we're going to do it that way as they kind of all provide different That's actually a kind of a good idea. I don't know, think about it that way. Let me just... Let me just introduce them chaotically because if they're ever <laughs> in, it's going to be, be yeah. because something because they were talking about like Svee coming in the fourth quarter after not playing at all. It's just kind of like, yeah. oh shit, though. But um, right, but I think and I think in a realistic setting, like that's what it's going to be. Where it's some playoff game, and it's like we need a spark for five minutes. Svee, can you come in and you know score four points? Yeah, off the yeah. Bench? No, like, I'm saying I, I understand yeah. what you're saying. I'm saying I yeah, think yeah. it's like a, that's like kind of a good idea. Right. Um, all right, yeah, just I just I thought that Banton thing was just a little bit interesting because he he I thought that he might get a good amount of minutes and he was in early and then we never saw him again. But yeah, could maybe be that. I kind of like that there. idea. It just sort of maybe if Halliburton's him. out there too, he stays in because I think it was partially matchup based. They don't want Spee on Halliburton, whereas Banton they probably <laughs> kind of like the chances a little more. Yeah, um, oddly <laughs> enough, Banton is only one of three Celtics to finish in the plus for plus minus. Banton yeah. plus two, Brissett. Plus five, Porzingis plus one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate that. <laughs> um, all right. So, do you have anything else you want to add from this game in particular? I mean, the only other things are again, like I haven't gone on Twitter or everything yet, but I can already imagine Celtics fans being like, "Oh, we should have won this game. They didn't have Halliburton. We blew it down the stretch." Blah 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 blah. And again, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you get out of the toxic Celtics bubble. 
we lost a tough game against a good team on the road. We didn't have our best player and we didn't have a rotation player and we still lost at the buzzer. Like <laughs> that's yeah. all things considered. Could have won it, of course, but that's like more to the point. Even our awful skies falling losses are games yeah, that yeah. like we easily could have won. You look around the rest of the league, like Phillies losing games left and right. The Bucks are getting the Bucks smacked right now, right? Are about to lose another game to the Jazz. Like everywhere else, like has oh, these I have awful a good losses. Have to send out if that game's going final. Ever uh, down fourteen with a minute left, so it's looking pretty final. But right. again, it's just like look around the league. I mean, even you know everyone was At crowding. <laughs> everyone's crowning Oklahoma City last week after they beat us. Um, you know, they won their Super Bowl. Well, they go out the next night and lose to the Hawks, and then two days later lose to the Brooklyn Nets. So, again, we're don't think we're the only team that's getting looked at under this microscope. Like you said, we have eight losses. Nobody else has uh, single digits. So we're a solid couple of games up on the field. We got the best net rating in the NBA by multiple points. We got the second-best D rating, second-best O rating. All five of our starters are an all-star consideration, like – Take a breath. Things are good. Losses stink, but you're going to lose. View this as a learning experience, a good opportunity without Tatum, without Hauser. So uh, just everyone, deep breath. <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick, because I'm sure we're about to pivot into the, around the NBA. Maybe we can lead off with this. But the, mm. um, the comment that Giannis made, was it, did he say, was, did he refer to the guy as the equipment manager? Okay. Because that's just, this was my purpose mm-hmm. of my tweet. The tweet, I can describe it. To our to our listeners, it's the scene from Seinfeld where Kramer's throwing the okay. cement in the laundry basket or cement in the washing machine, and the idea is that that's just the box. Yeah, okay. Equipment. I just want to make sure I had equipment manager right. So go follow at Shuddy's Corner if you don't know what said. I'm talking about, or even if you do. Uh, yeah. All right, so yeah, that's, go ahead. Let's open up with. Uh, I just opened up around the well, NBA. We gotta, for our, you. we gotta do our announcer talk first. Come on. Oh, oh, geez. All right, go back. Go back. Rewind. Always talk. announcer talk. So just a couple of funny ones tonight. I mean, more great announcing. It continues to be good stuff, obviously. Out of Drew and Scal just crushing it. Um, more funny back at sports stuff. They're talking about how much Drew's going out and enjoying the nightlife in Indiana, and how Scal just goes right back and goes to sleep. So that always cracks me up. But they had a couple good comments, one near the beginning of the game, where they were talking about Porzingis, how he felt after getting hit in the eye, and how he was just like a little bit woozy walking around after he got drilled in the face. And I guess Porzingis' quote was he felt – as if he was just getting off the plane after a trip to Mykonos. So, oh, yeah. What is that? Does that mean, like, motion up. sickness? Or being hungover? No, I thought he meant, like, partying. Yeah, <laughs> That's okay. how I take it. <laughs> um, and then Drew and Scal talking about how they were going to need to have a trip expense to Mykonos to uh, put that to the test and see what it's like there. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, good banter there. And then just... More... Just uh, so much two-for-one talk. So much two-for-one talk, Spot. obviously. Uh, non-stop. Scal is just relentless with it for both ways. Drew there. jumped him, uh, jumped him on one of them, I think, in yeah, the third he's quarter. Starting to, he's starting to pick up on it. Um, then the other funny things, Pacer-specific, between these last two games, I think at least 50, over-unders like 15 times, Scal has mentioned how he can't believe that uh, the Suns gave up Jalen Smith for nothing oh, yeah, to the yeah, Pacers. He, like, he said it tonight. So many yeah. times we're like, we get it. But also, Jalen Smith looked like a huge bust. And he's like an okay role player for the Pacers. Like, he's solid. But again, he was a top 10 pick. They gave him a couple <laughs> years. They were trying to win now. It didn't work. And, like, they just went away from it. It's not – I get it. But the amount of times he keeps bringing it up is hilarious. And then the other thing that he kept bringing up um, 
the Benedict, his weird like Benedict Mather in theory, who I like Benedict Mather and he's a really good player, but he kept saying like he was theorizing that he was going to have a good game and his rationale just made no sense because he was saying that he had a bad first game against us, which I, I'm pretty sure he was their leading scorer and had 20 points off the bench. So he didn't have a bad game at all. And then he was saying, uh, cause he's a rookie, he'll be ready, ready or something. And he's a second year player. And I don't even really get like what he was saying. So just sometimes like, I feel like he he's the Michael Scott. Changes. Like sometimes I start a <laughs> sentence and I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, that's like they set him up for this like tangent to go on Matherin. And again, I like Matherin, but his his logic on that one just did not make any sense to me. So I'm not sure if he just kind of worded it incorrectly or what. But uh, <laughs> not really sure what he's going for with that one. So uh, yeah, that was kind of it for my announcer talk for this one, I guess. I just scout. Just stop agreeing with the ref so much. You don't have to mm. disagree. You don't have to always lose it, but it's just still so so foreign to me to have the the color analyst. Right. Like right. when, when a foul gets called and I'm sitting there like, what is that? And Scout's be like, no, no, this is a foul. This is a foul. It's like, fuck you, Scout. <laughs> I don't want to well, think it's a foul. I don't want to think yeah. it's a foul, Scout. Give me a few. Give me at least a few extra seconds, Scout. I understand no, if, right. if you want to be impartial. I understand it. Um, but just like delay it like three or four seconds before you just immediately start saying it because I, I usually can come to that rationalization myself but it's like when you say that <laughs> and i'm in the middle of being pissed it. about it yeah then it makes me mad at you scal and i don't want to be mad at you scal um well i was glad he'd at least keep keep letting him have it on the jalen one at the end because that was a bad call so i was glad his yeah first yeah, yeah, he was yes his level of upsetness and outrage matched mine so that's that's what i want to see there right yeah he, he rolled with us all right yeah um all right, there's our announcer talk. What uh, <laughs> what did you uh, what what do you got for us for around the league? Ben? So unfortunately, I have to lead off with some breaking news. I just saw the notifications pouring in as we were recording here. Uh oh, tough story. And that's that John Morant is about to undergo season-ending surgery for a torn labrum in his shoulder. What? Brutal news. Um, after he had come back, the Grizzlies were on a little bit of a run. They had just had he had missed last night's game. His shoulder was in a sling, but there was nothing about this. Uh, the Grizzlies played a great game and then came back to beat the Suns in Phoenix with no jaw. Obviously, they had pulled. They were only four games, I think, in the loss column out of the play-in. Had had a nice edge to them and nice win over the Lakers that we talked oh. about. But now. Uh, just the season from hell gets even worse, and it's it's just tough. I don't know what they do from here. Like they've been scrapping and clawing, but without Jaw, there's there's obviously just no replacing him. So it just feels like it's gonna be a lost season. You hate to see it. Wonder if they'll pivot. Uh, what direction they might go in from here? If they just kind of try to get another good lottery pick, get all their guys healthy, and try to run it back shitty. next year. But yeah, just really sad news. The Grizzlies has obviously both of our one of our favorite Western teams to uh, follow and. Has been a fun team out there with a lot of a lot of teams we don't like in the West. So the Grizzlies are kind of a good foil for them and an easy team to root for. This just sucks for us. Sucks for Grizzlies fans. Sucks for really basketball fans and NBA fans in general. Just uh, one of the most dynamic and exciting and electric players who's already obviously missed a ton of games because of his suspension and just come back and uh, was looking like his old self and then to just get hit with this. Just uh, yeah, really shitty news. Not much. Not much else you can really say about that one. Just sucks. Yeah. That's uh, that's really too bad. I got a little yeah. distracted, and I'm gonna have to intern independently verify this. But I was just looking for anything about John Twitter, and mm-hmm. I saw that the Pacers are now 35 and three with James Williams as the head referee. <laughs> and that guess wow. where he's from? Indianapolis, in Laporte, Indiana. Wow, scandalous! So need the intern to look in on that. Yeah, but, I don't love the sound of that. Don't yeah. love the sound of that at all. That sucks for Jaw though. 
Yeah. But Marcus has been just needs to step it up, keep stepping it up. <laughs> yeah. Guys, definitely going to have to take on a much uh, larger offensive role. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what else they can do from there. Like I said, I don't even know what – you can't really pivot off losing your superstar player like that. So, All right. What else you got? Tough break. Um, some other interesting games going on recently. The Mavericks, ha- after hitting a little skid, bounced back. They've gotten some really good – a couple of really good performances from the Luka-Kyrie combo. Kyrie was nails last night in the clutch as uh, for a big win for them over the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, who have had a tough uh, week last week, they've lost three out of four games, still clinging to their lead in the West, but uh, it's gotten a lot tighter. They've started to show some warts, especially on the offensive end, where things can kind of bog down a little bit when uh, even Ann Edwards had a good game. But they might, they might need another piece or two to kind of fortify what they've got going on there. But things have things have certainly tightened up in the Western Conference, so something to monitor there. Then looking down more to the bottom, well, not the bottom, but the mid-bottom of the Western Conference, uh, the Warriors got absolutely pounded again at home hmm. by the Raptors last night. Um, Steph Curry didn't score even until the third quarter. He finished the game with nine points and was 0 of 9 on threes, 2 of 14 from the field, and just obviously not getting any help. Uh, bleak situation as we've continued to talk about, as you just mentioned earlier, the Jazz just beating the Bucks. They're now tied with the Warriors uh, for 11th place, so they're both only just one one small spot out of that uh, 10th place for the play-in. So the Jazz are coming, and the Warriors are falling. The Lakers also falling, although they did get a much-needed win last night against the hottest team in the league, the Clippers. Huge win for the Lakers. You'd think this could uh, quiet the mob at Darvin Ham's door, <laughs> at least for a day. If, if they had lost that one, the inter-LA battle. Oh, boy, I would have loved to see <laughs> some of the reports getting out of there. So this should at least buy them another week or two. Uh, really nice win for them. And then one other thing on the Warriors. Uh, did you see it came out that Draymond said he actually wanted to retire? And Adam Silver talked in yeah. and said, stepped in and told him that was a rash decision. He couldn't do it. Apparently they were crying. Uh, so yeah, I actually crazy was, story. I don't know. I have a couple of thoughts on a lot of that. I have one. If that story is true, that's just like <laughs> he he literally did the like, you can't fire me, I'll quit type thing to Silver. And it got him. <laughs> 12 game suspension for punching a guy in the face like david stern would have not got played like that dude like so i, I don't know adam silver if that story is true that if you you're going into that like it's a great negotiation strategy if you're draymond you're walking into the meeting knowing you're yeah. walking your ass chewed out it's like you know what you're right i'll just leave forever it's just like well hold on you don't need to, don't need to do that it's right just, you know but like you do, so it's like I feel like that yeah. that's well played by Draymond. But uh, I guess yeah, Draymond, wild. you need to go to anger management. Nah, I'll just retire. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing was the way that, that came out. Like it was like Woj was like promoting Draymond Green's Draymond's latest podcast. podcast. Yeah, well, that's, that's that? where he said it. Draymond said it. On I know, podcast. but the podcast hadn't even came out yet. Yeah, but it seemed like the way Woj tweeted, I forget the wording, but it looked like he was almost being like a little snarky and like sarcastic because if he's like, all right, low boy, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I read it as if he was like, because cause they had like a whole story. I think there's like a whole interview too that ESPN had. I got to like look at the story again. on his like, there was, yeah. His like return. Right. Like what his like ordeal <laughs> has been like. So that pissed me off. The poor guy. Woj carrying the weight, carrying a little bit of water for him. They're doing a promo. Yeah, that's podcast. I don't know if if it was snar- if it was snarky, uh, I I disavow my comments. But otherwise, I'm <laughs> on to you. All right, I'll have to go review that one. But anyway, um, on some kind of more positive news, 
NBA Player of the Week for the East and Western Conference, Alperin Sengun from the Rockets and Jalen Brunson from the Knicks. So kind of cool to have some like youngish upstart guys, not not really your main guys. Just speaks again to the level of depth and talent in the NBA for the, these guys to be winning Player of the Week with the current talent pool we have is awesome. Sengun, baby Jokic has just been amazing. Is absolute engine for that Rockets team. Super fun to watch and Brunson having. Really a great year, and now they're winning since the OG trade 4-0, and so good for the Knicks. They made a massive leap in the Chuddy Power Rankings this week, if anyone hasn't looked yet. NickBrano.com. Um, mm-hmm. Then someone who did not was uh, the Pistons. I wanted to get behind the Pistons, bump them up last week after their big win <laughs> and a couple close losses, but they plummeted right back down to the bottom of the Power Rankings. And now Cade Cunningham is injured. Uh, he's out. They're saying hopefully it's not too serious, but if he misses any extended time, we need to might need to start looking at some records for historical uh, losing because he has been the really basically the one bright spot on a very very dark season. If they have to go extended time without him, uh, we might be looking at another record for losses very quickly. So another thing to monitor there. Uh, we got some news today that Jaime Jaquez Jr., the very promising rookie for the Heat is the first confirmed entrant into the dunk contest. Um, Underwhelming, to say the least. I'm not sure this is exactly moving the needle for (laughs) NBA fans out there. Like I said, nice young player, but... um, and I know he has some some sneaky hops as he was, had some nice dunks. And I think goes into dunk contest maybe back in high school or some AAU thing or whatever. But, um, again, they're talking about what they want to do to make the dunk contest better. This, uh, to me, is not exactly it and speaks to... I guess probably the amount of people who are not wanting to do the dunk contest, unfortunately. So tough there. Um, another, this is like pseudo NBA news, but I don't know if you saw this. The uh, Washington Commanders have hired former yeah. Warriors GM Bob Myers, yeah, who currently works at ESPN, to help them. So I don't know if it's like a long term role or he's specifically just helping them with their next coaching search, but. Um, Either way, these, like, cross-sport hires to me are always just so stupid and just clearly, like, Josh Harris obviously just bought the commies, wants to make a splash in the post-Snyder era. Harris, obviously, if you're unfamiliar, the owner of the Sixers, so has that NBA background, but this, to me, just spells, like, gimmicky, borderline publicity <laughs> stun, PR move, and, like, just stupid again. It was framed as, like, well, Myers no, isn't it, here to judge football personnel, I think it's but kind he of just, an, I, I you know, think... like, a style of guy he wants. Like, I don't know. No, I think it's kind of like a smart because I feel like a lot of times what, like, I feel like they've done in the past, in like the NFL, when they bring in football guys to find a coach, that person just ends up like finding like themselves being like, you know what? I <laughs> So if you do a guy sweep basketball, you don't have to worry about yeah. him being like, I mean, I guess I can actually do this. He's just kind of like, you know, I'll find a guy who can do it, but it definitely won't be me. Yeah, we'll see how it works out because maybe he will come in with without any outside influence or like inherent biases and you know who knows maybe this will be a turning point for uh the commies as an organization mm-hmm. so we'll see but certainly thought that was an interesting story um and that's pretty all much all i got the last thing just a nice little celtics related note i had seen it floating around earlier today and it was mentioned during the broadcast but still want to give a shout out to peyton pritchard who again started the season a little bit questionably especially shooting the ball to the point where some at chetty's corner were even wondering if it was time to press the panic button if the celtics had to go find a backup another nice game for cool. richard tonight and he's also the only player in the entire nba with over 100 assists and fewer than 25 turnovers only player whole nba not only bench player not only celtics only guy in the entire league super impressive to have that kind of high efficiency coming off the bench like that props to peyton pritchard and on top of that 
He is now the only Celtic that has played in every single game this year, as Sam Hauser was the other one. He missed tonight's game. So on top of that, Pritchard, a bit of an Iron Man off the bench with his durability. So again, all the Celtics fans out there complaining that, you know, we don't have three All-Stars coming off our bench is like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Crypto P. Exactly. Fade away P. What that was just got called today. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out Peyton Pritchard. Open invite to come on the pod. Um, Definitely. All right. What do you uh, What do you want to tell us about the Timberwolves and what we can expect uh, for this matchup coming up? Well, obviously, it should be a good game. Anyone remembers the first time uh, we played the Timberwolves? Tough road loss in overtime. They have two guys who can really get after it on the wing, and obviously Anthony Edwards, and then Jaden McDaniels, who's been an incredible defensive player for them. Gobert is back to uh, his old DPOY self, protecting the paint. Carl Anthony Towns has find a, found a good way to fit in on offense. Again, they have the best record in the West. They beat the Celtics, so a bit of a bit of a prove it revenge spot for the Celtics. I think as much as you'll see them get up for a regular season game, I think they'll really want to win this one. Unfortunately, it's the first night of a back-to-back as we play the Bucks the following night. So Al will obviously sit out one of them. We will still see with Porzingis. What do you think's the better strategic? <laughs> so this is a question I saw floating around, and it is a good question. Which one would you rather Al plays for? I think you want him. I think you just gotta have him for the Giannis game. So I, yeah. I think you save him for the Bucks game. Bucks. As much as I'd love to see him when we're battling with Towns and uh, Gobert, the Twin Towers. I'm not really worried about Gobert offensively, so it's not like you need like an awesome big guy down there to defend him. And Towns is mostly a perimeter player anyway, so I think I think we, if I recall correctly, that was a game where we had Drew on Cat a lot. I think we can go back to yeah. that, and I think we can kind of get by with like Tatum, assuming he's back on uh, Gobert or something. I don't really worry about their big guys as much, like from pounding us down low um, in terms of us defending them. So I would lean towards having Al. Uh, there to defend Giannis against the Bucs with the Giannis Lopez kind of twin towers. But, I mean, it's it's a pick your poison, obviously. Two two of the best teams in the NBA on back-to-back nights, both with very impressive front courts. So uh, either way, it's going to be tough to play either team without Al. That's my slight lean. But, uh, yeah, Timberwolves, really good team. Still the best defense in the entire NBA. So we're going to have to root very hard to generate good looks. And uh, this will be, again, a stiff test to the Celtics' home court as we will try to set the franchise record, right? We're 17 and 0. We need one more win to set the franchise record for the best home start in team history. And we'll have to do it against the team with the second best record in the NBA, the team that's leading the West and a team that is one and zero so far this year against us. So pretty big game as far as regular season games go. Very excited for this one. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I hate that this is the way that back-to-back is set up. Cause I feel like it means at least yeah. one of those games isn't going to be, it's full potential, but also that uh, you know, if uh, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy stretch of games with between that Timberwolves game, then the next night, obviously playing the Bucks, our probably biggest competition in the East, and then one day off, and then Saturday hosting the Rockets, the return of Ime Udoka. So mm. really big, really big, really fun as a fan, three game stretch <laughs> coming up here. Yeah, I, I can't wait. All right, and then cool. and then finally the self the schedule eases up a little bit. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> believe what I see it. I've been I being know, right? told that for a while. It's um, been relentless. All right, great. Uh, that so that's that for today's episode of Chuddy's Corner. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone: go ahead and hit that subscribe button. However, you're listening to us, check out the YouTube page if you want to watch the podcast. Uh, you can check out our lovely faces. <laughs> I don't know. Check the YouTube page. There's also a non-video <laughs> version if you just want to hear our voice and not see our faces. Um, so. Make sure you subscribe, follow the uh, page on Twitter at Chuddy's Corner. Um, 
as seen on Celtics broadcast. Uh, follow at Doug underscore outs. Follow at King Chuddy. Thanks to our sponsor, Nick Perino Real Estate. NickPerino.com. You can find all all of Chuddy's blogs on there, including that weekly uh, weekly power rankings. Uh, and that's it. Final score, 133-131. Celtics lose. Fall to 28-8. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday with all you guys for the Timberwolves. Chud, have a good rest of your night. Uh, who do you got for the game? Who would you pick for the game tonight? I took Washington in the points. Um, they're down seven right now. Yeah. But uh, I was I was hoping they'd be able to move the ball down the field a little bit better tonight. It hasn't happened. Still got about a quarter left to play. I'm, I'm pulling for the, the underdogs on this one, but just want to see a good game. What about right. you? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't take anything, but <laughs> I think I, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of happy either way. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Just for some reason, I just don't like dislike Michigan as I feel like some people do. No. But also, Washington it would be the first. Just be cool to see a team that like nobody fucking ever puts in like that. Yeah. And for the Pac-12 too. Shout out Pac-12. R.I.P. Pac-12. R.I.P. <laughs> All right, everyone, have a good night. We'll see you Wednesday. Chuddy, take care. Peace out, Chuddy Eds.